0: Drink wine, Vancouver. Another jackpot for the lotto line is the Vancouver Canucks defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins 4-3 in overtime. Elias Petterson, what a night for him as he goes head-to-head with Sidney Crosby. What a night for both of them. But the Vancouver Canucks extend their win streak to 4 they're now 12-2-2 two two in their last 16 hockey games. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It's brought to you by Betway, Jeff Patterson, along with Irfan Gaffar. Can these teams line up and do this again tomorrow <laughs> or Saturday? They'll see the Penguins again one more time, this time in Vancouver. Already looking forward to that. But the Canucks putting on a show these days. They're playing great hockey. They're playing entertaining hockey. And that lotto line just continues, Irf to cash in on a nightly basis.
1: That was a fun hockey game. It was. I it mean, was. the first the first period, the Canucks took it to them. I thought, you know, the game was going to be well out of reach but uh, before we got to the midway point, maybe the second period. But, wow, I mean, credit to the uh, Pittsburgh Penguins for coming back. Two of these teams are the better defensive teams in the National Hockey League. And, you know, somehow, someway, we still get an overtime, and it, they score seven goals. So, what a night for Elias Pedersen. We're obviously going to dive into it. But, I mean, quickly, Jeff, we talked about it. You mentioned it to me. I mean... He scored the game winner on all four of their wins this road trip. Remarkable from EP40. Two goals, two assists in this game.
0: So he's in on all of the Canucks scoring. Led the team with five shots on goal. The four straight game-winning goals. And man, is this guy scoring in bunches right now. He has two goals in four of the last six games. You go back to the Ottawa game, the first game of 2024. That was the last home game. Scored two that night. And has scored twice uh, on three occasions since then. uh, for good measure, he scored on the Island the other night. That was just a single goal, so on off-night for him. But the way this lotto line is going right now, it is incredible. Four goals and five assists in this hockey game. So nine more points. Brock Besser with the first couple of goals. Pedersen and Miller setting them up. Of course, Pity scores the winner. It's not necessarily the lotto line, but uh, he's a huge part uh, of the success of that trio these days. And this Vancouver Canuck team that just refuses to lose hockey games or so it seems. And, you know, they, they bent, they were pushed, like give the Penguins credit. I'm with you there at three to one. You thought, okay, if the Canucks can come out and start the second period, the way that they had played much of that first, they could run away and hide from this Pittsburgh outfit. But interesting call by Mike Sullivan. He pulls Alex Nijelkovic after one period. I I don't fault the Penguins starter on any of the goals. Again, a lot line ran wild, but Sometimes coaches do that to get the attention of the team in front of them, just to to shake things up. Man, was Tristan Jari good. And that's not an easy job coming in cold. And Ray and Shorty talked about it on the broadcast that, you know, a lot of times the guy that's not expecting to play that night gets rinsed at the morning skate, puts in the hours and the effort, and just isn't in that mindset. And I know if you're starting on the bench, you always have to be prepared one knock away from going in there. But Tristan Jari came in, and the Canucks did start the second period the way that they had finished the first thing. They peppered him with a number of chances. Teddy Bluger had a great opportunity. Dakota Joshua on the doorstep. Sam Lafferty with a snapshot. There was chance after chance after chance there, so Tristan Jari held his team in it until Sidney Crosby got fired up. And, of course, <laughs> middle-aged Sid, still a force to be reckoned with in this National Hockey League, pulls the Penguins within one And then they go back and forth for the remainder of regulation time and into the final minute with the goaltender on the bench for an extra attacker. And there's Sidney Crosby winning the faceoff cleanly from Elias Patterson back to the point, point shot and it deflects off Sid and finds its way in. And so the Canucks couldn't get out of Pittsburgh cleanly, but they don't care about the single point that the Penguins are an Eastern Conference team. The single point means nothing to the Vancouver Canucks. It's all about the two points that they put in their back pocket to extend their win streak to four.
1: You know, you mentioned, you know, taking the Delkovich out and then putting Jari in. I think that when they made it 2-1, Marcus Petterson scores. At least Pedersen scores to make it 3-1 just before the period ends. With two minutes left, he scores. And I think for Sullivan, he's like, man, are we going to break here? Is this going to be the breaking point? He makes the change. Jari goes in. And the Canucks, to, you, what, to your point, they did still pepper Jari with shots. But somehow, you know, the Penguins kind of rallied together and they and, and they made it a game. But a fun game. I mean, Brock Besser got things going very early on. And then again with his 27th. And then he was on the ice late. I swear he was going to be on for the final two minutes of that just so they tried to get him the hat trick <laughs> goal there. But yeah, lots of stuff that you like for, if if you're a Canucks fan, I mean, that was a good hockey game. That was good hockey teams playing high level hockey. And, you know, we mentioned it to each other, like, why isn't there another game like this in a couple of days (laughs) against a good team? I know they're going to obviously Buffalo on Saturday and then Columbus on Monday, maybe not teams that you can get up for, but I'm sure the Canucks will, but yeah, a wild night. I mean, good for the Vancouver Canucks. And, and again, it's, it's the bend don't break mentality and they're, they're certainly proving that. 28-11-3
0: 28-11 and 3 now on the season, I repeat. 28-11 <laughs> and 3. This is the first game of the second half of their schedule. They're up to 59 points now, and they just continue to, you know, scratch and claw their way closer to a playoff spot. It'll be a while before they clinch, but they're rendering the out-of-town scoreboard completely meaningless right now because it just doesn't matter what any of those teams in the chase pack do. If they win, all they're doing is You know, matching the Vancouver Canucks, who, as I mentioned, 12-2-2 in their last 16 games. So two outright losses in the last, essentially, month and a half. When we talked about the Penguins pushing them, they did. And one of the storylines all season, and the deeper they go, the sort of more prominent it's going to become, is this record when the Canucks are leading after two periods (laughs) of play. And so Crosby scores six minutes into the second. It's a 3-2 hockey game. It stays that way. And there are the Canucks taking another lead to the third period, the 25th time now that they've taken an edge to the final period of play. Again, the Penguins get a single point. They scratch and claw, so they get a, a consolation prize. But the record remains intact here. The Vancouver Canucks are 25-0 and 0 when leading <laughs> after 40 minutes of play. The fact that they've had 25 leads in 42 games is mind-boggling. You know, again, the Penguins came close, but nobody has been able
1: to reel the Vancouver Canucks in over the final period of a hockey game. Well, I mean, and obviously to your point, they've only trailed after two periods eight times yeah. this season. So you look at that. It's We talked about this a couple of games ago when when we did this, Jeff. There's none of the superlatives to talk about this Vancouver Canucks team. I mean, it's it's the buy-in. Yes, you have that. And then it's they tie the game late, but they could have easily kind of went to overtime. And we were in the middle of this road trip. Very easy to kind of, you know, just wash this one away. But... How good of a feeling must this be? You don't care what any other team does, and you don't even have to worry about it because you know how well you're playing, and you've built yourself this equity with all of this lead that you have built up from playing so well this season. And is it going to come back to earth? The contender thing, and we we can debate that when it gets to March and April and see what happens there, but this team is definitely earning itself to be, you know, those 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 odds for playoffs and cup favorites—they're definitely going to start moving higher and higher. We get to the stat that stands out a little bit later on in
0: every edition of Rinkwide, but this is one that I've been charting for a while now. And well, the Canucks are beating the Penguins four three in overtime. The Oilers edge Detroit three to two. Edmonton is seventeen and three in its last twenty games. Seventeen and three in the last twenty games—they've picked up two points on the Vancouver Canucks over that. Stretch like that's just mind-blowing stuff, and it feels like every night we're able to come up with stats that stand out. And the Canucks, you know, a bit of a mixed bag on the out-of-town scoreboard. The Kings lose again. They lost in overtime, so they get a single point, but Vancouver picks up another point on the LA Kings, who have two wins in their last nine games now, or two wins in 10, I think it is, for the Kings, and the Canucks continue to stretch their lead there over one of those teams that was right there neck and neck with them up until Christmas in the Pacific Division, but the Canucks are starting to distance themselves from some of those other teams that had their sights set on the division title. I will cop to it right here, right now. I've been one of the guys that's been Sort of pointing out the fact that too many goals have been getting by Thatcher Demko in the last month or so, that the win-loss record is untouchable. He's 9-1-1 in his last 11 starts. You can't argue with that. But if we look at him through a lens of being one of the best in the National Hockey League, and I think he wants to believe that he's in that company, and he sort of played himself into that grouping, that there were just too many goals. Even earlier on this trip, the New Jersey game, there were goals that sort of floated past him that you would like to make some saves— When you've got a team that scores as much as the Canucks do, that's a luxury, obviously, for a goaltender. And I know he's had a bunch of shutouts this year. The final 40 minutes of this game might have been right there in the conversation for his most valuable performance
1: in a hockey game. Oh, my God, that third period. I, we have our notes here. All I wrote in the third period was basically Demko, 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 Demko. <laughs> That's how many saves he made, yeah. right? And I mean, and and they weren't saves where it was like, okay, it's it's the Demkos. They were spectacular saves that he had to make. Uh, the back end on Crosby. Oh, it was ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, like, this is the stuff that, you know, he's doing. And I think when he's on, the rest of the team is on. I mean, as much as it's the lotto line, as much as it's Quinn Hughes, when Thatcher Demko is on and is on his game, like, I think if you were to ask one of those guys in that room, you see the play of Thatcher Demko in the third period, they'd probably say, we knew we weren't losing that game because he had our back. So we know we ha- we know that we had to go get him that win.
0: Yeah, JT Miller took the penalty on Crosby, yeah. ill-advised in a tight game, and it's Sid, and he's going to get that call all day, and he did. And on the delayed penalty, the Penguins zipping around, they move it to the front of the net, Gensel there. You may have heard Jake Gensel's name uh, in conversations in these parts of late. Gensel had an assist on the first of the two Crosby goals, but didn't have a huge night. Neither did Gennie Mulliken. But uh, but Gensel on the doorstep there, and Demko flashed the pad, made a stop. Chris Tang, when they were pushing for the equalizer, had a good look with a slap shot, and Demko just making himself big in the net, making the save there. And again, unfortunate, the Crosby goal that ties it, bit of a seeing eye job, but Penguins did what they had to do. They win the faceoff there, pull it back, and get a shot through traffic. But Thatcher Demko... Uh, yeah, I mean, on the night, uh, the Penguins outshoot the Canucks 35-29, 14-5 in the third period, and it felt that way. I mean, most of the play was in the Vancouver zone, and so as Rick Tockett, again, tries to build the process of this team, you're going to run into good opponents. They did the other night against the Rangers, but they were able to, to persevere and in this game as well, it took a little overtime, bent, but didn't break. And ultimately, their game breaker, Elias Patterson, with his second of the night. 22nd of the season now on this absolute heater here out on this road trip is EP40. And Filiparonic with another assist. And Arona made a nice defensive play to thwart the Penguins' attack. They had a—look like it was going to be a three-on-one. Canucks were able to kind of get back in numbers there. But Arona down, blocks the centering pass, and then sees Patterson out at center ice uh, going the other way, it springs him on the breakaway. And a little bit of a delayed goal in that uh, I think Tristan Jari thought he had it, and the puck just sneaks through, but uh, certainly crossed the line. And we saw some emotion too, Irf, from EP 40. Yeah, you know, pretty subdued After guy that goal. has scored a lot of goals in this league, put up a lot of points, but that goal for this game to keep the streak alive and down on one knee and the <laughs> little fist pump as well. So you can tell, you like, you know, these guys are dialed in right now. Nobody more than him. This one felt like it
1: meant a little more, I think, to the Vancouver Canucks. It's a $12 million fist bump starting right there. That's what that is. That's what that is, Jeff. I'll tell you that much. 8-1-0 and in their last nine games against the East. Yeah. Like, look, they play well. It's funny when you look at all of these stats. It's always a very large number next to a very, very little number around this team for the Vancouver Canucks. like 7-1-2 in their last nine games on the road since December 2nd. Like, This team is playing well, and it's doing things at an elite level. That stat we've mentioned that we've talked about, and you've been charting, obviously, the t- 25-0-0, that's an elite stat. They got elite goaltending today. Their lotto line right now is playing at an elite level. It's wild to see. It's fun to watch when they're playing well. I think fans here should be excited about their hockey team, and, you know, you, you kind of just want those meaningful games to happen. I mean, we talked about the schedule coming up. You get Winnipeg three times, LA three times, you get Vegas three times, right? You get some good teams, some big physical, hard teams to play against. So those are the games that I'm excited for. But when you see a game like this against a team that has Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, Eric Carlson, and a team that, you know, Rick Talking used to be a part of, it. you know, Sergei Gonchar, you know, half the Canucks roster used to be a part of the Pittsburgh Penguins. This one did feel like it meant a little bit more to Vancouver.
0: So the line on Sidney Crosby, speaking of stats that stand out. Yeah. Two goals. Okay. 25 minutes and 10 seconds of ice time, five shots on goal, five hits, and 31 face-offs, winning 18 of them, going 18 and 13 in the circle. Like, the guy was everywhere. That's not middle-aged, Sid. (laughs) Oh, man. And by comparison for Evgeny Malkin, just over 20 minutes of ice time, had three shots on goal, but just didn't notice him, and certainly over the years uh, there have been enough games where the Canucks have had no answer for a guy like Evgeny Malkin. So I'm sure they're just fine. That it was a relatively quiet night for Malkin, but uh, another show there for Sid, who you know just hasn't played the Canucks very much. The guy's played well over 1,200 games in the National Hockey League, and this was just his 22nd career game against the Vancouver Canucks with the East-West imbalance. So uh, their treats, uh, I'm sure it's not a treat for players trying to defend Sidney Crosby, but uh, up to 24 goals ahead of the All-Star break, still with a couple of weeks to go, and he'll be representing the Penguins there in Toronto at All-Star weekend. We mentioned Thatcher Demko gave him his flowers, and, and rightly so. He was terrific, particularly in the third period, and particularly on the penalty kill, because that was a story in this hockey game as well. Canucks got an early penalty— And, man, did they go to work, Besser, with the conversion of the basically the shot pass from (laughs) from J.T. Miller. But they made that one look easy, and that was Besser's second of the night. So power play goal, six and a half in, and it's 2 nothing for the Canucks. And you're thinking, hey, they may run away and hide from this Pittsburgh operation, especially if they get more power plays. But they didn't. They were going to have to wait uh, well into the third to get their second power play of the night. Meanwhile, the Penguins had four power plays in a row, and they had two there in the third period where they were pushing, And on the night, you know, they tested Thatcher Demko, generated seven shots in their four power plays, but they didn't score. And so credit to the Canucks penalty killers, Tyler Myers, five minutes and seven seconds of penalty killing time, Ian Cole at 439. So I get it. There's still a segment of the fan base that wonders what Tyler Myers does around here and (laughs) and what keeps this guy and why don't they move him and all that kind of stuff. Look, Tyler Myers is having a rebirth this season at the age of 33, soon to be 34. Some won't want to hear it, but he's played really well. Yeah, he had a tough night in Tampa in the first, what, week of the season. But really, since then, he has settled in and settled down five minutes of penalty killing time. Those are not easy minutes. Tip of the cap to, to those two, but to all the penalty killers
1: and, of course, the best penalty killer yeah. of all. Is Thatcher Demko? You know, you, you you mentioned Tyler Myers very quickly. You know, we you and I wanted him to slap shot that chance that he had, <laughs> yeah. but instead it was a little bit of a snap, more of a snapshot there. I mean, it could have went in. It was at ninety three point something miles per hour the other night, but you are right. I mean, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko, Thatcher Demko. I mean, he's going to be in the Vesna conversation. They don't win this hockey game without him, and I think every single player will tell you that. He was spectacular again, like I mentioned, when he needed to be. He made very, very, very timely saves. Uh, the Sid backhand obviously was one. He made a glove save. I think it was on Chris Letang with the extra man. Uh, but just before they scored the goal, that was ridiculous. And that kind of quieted things down a bit. Obviously, they did tie the game there later. And as as much as we talk about, you know, some of the goals going in, the ones that you don't like, on nights like this, when you look at Thatcher Demko, you say, okay, Wow, I mean, are you really going to give up some of those performances if he's able to bail you out on nights like this?
0: We should mention as well that uh, the Penguins were down a forward for much of the hockey game. Yeah, Riley Smith, Smith took a a hard hit from Nikita Zadorov. Canucks took four penalties. They were probably lucky that uh, Zadorov wasn't called there. I think the case could have been made that that was boarding. I mean, Zadorov's obviously the bigger player there, but it looked like he kind of drilled him between the numbers into the boards and you never like to see anybody leave. But uh, the Pens were down a man, and that's part of why. I mean, Crosby was going to play a lot regardless, but uh, when they were down a a forward, ice times kind of spike. And uh, so, yeah, Riley Smith played a grand total of three minutes and eight seconds in this hockey game, just five shifts on the night. But uh, it was a night that belonged to the lotto line, particularly Elias Pedersen, who has just taken his game to another stratosphere here. I don't know if it coincides with the fact that it was the flip of the calendar into 2024, knowing that this is now officially the contract year. It's been the contract season, but you know whatever that meter was at 10 days ago, it is bumping up there and it doesn't feel like it's going to be coming back down at any point, but it's fun to watch. It's great for him. It's great for the hockey club and and, and for the fans as well. And this market has been starved for significant meaningful, impactful games basically beyond January. I mean, we always used to talk about meaningful games in March and, you know, that was a pipe dream that didn't actually occur in some of those seasons under Willie D and and then early in the the Travis Green era as well. What excites me the most now is, I mean, this team's going to the playoffs. I I think that much, I mean, they don't have the X beside their name, but they're headed to the playoffs. And it is, you know, we, we started this pod saying like, why can't they play again? Well, you wouldn't see the Penguins until the Stanley Cup final, but just the idea that come playoff time or you're going to see games like this one and then two nights later same teams are going to go right back at it and they're going to build on what they everything they went through in the first game of the series and then game 2 and 3 and it just continues to grow and that's the true excitement I think for me and all of this is that as good as one game is in isolation you get to the playoffs and it's a week it's 10 days of this and more And it's just been so long since the fans here have had the opportunity to go to Rogers Arena and experience anything like that.
1: Yeah. And I think the anticipation is even more because you look at this team right now and what they have. And with everything that's going out and you're hearing what, you know, Jim Rutherford saying in in different interviews and they want to add. They want to add a top six forward. Okay, well, if you're going to do that, who's it going to be? Right. And I think that that now is kind of the conversation is, well, we're good. Right now, we can make the playoffs, but what can we do to try and improve our team? And I think Patrick Al- Alvin and, and Jim Rutherford have done a really, really good job at, at tweaking this roster the way they needed to and building this team and putting this core group together it's going to get interesting as we approach the all-star game, another milestone point. And then as we approach the NHL trade deadline to kind of see where this team really is at. And then when they get the magic X beside their name, Jeff, it's going to come a lot sooner than later, I think. And that's what's another thing that's exciting. If you're a fan, you know, you might be one of, if not the first teams to have that X beside your name. I mean, LA losing tonight uh, against the Florida Panthers in, in overtime. I mean, that, that definitely does help, but yeah, it's, it's definitely going to be fun here over the next little while.
0: Well, hopefully people are having fun uh, with wide. Yep. We're going to be here all the way down the stretch, and then ultimately the, the payoff is uh, come playoff time, and we haven't had an opportunity in the three years <laughs> we've been doing wide to have Rinkwide playoff post-game podcasts. So, uh, yeah, the excitement is there, and, and and this team is worth getting excited about. Uh, and by the game, it's more and more now, as we've said. Four straight victories out on this road trip, 12-2-2 in their last 16. All the numbers, any way you come at it, it's just moving in the right direction for the Vancouver Canucks. We've got lots still ahead here on this episode. We'll get to the three-star selection, a little bit of locker room reaction as well as the Canucks pack up in Pittsburgh and move on to Buffalo for an afternoon game on Saturday. The road trip wraps up in Columbus on Monday. Uh, We'll get to a stat that stands out. We've thrown a lot of stats. Maybe we've done the stat that stands out. Uh, Perhaps we'll come up with some more. We'll continue digging as we move along here. Some listener feedback as well or a thought or two on what is still to come on the trip here. But right now it's time for our Betway Bet of the Day. Just a two-game Friday in the National Hockey League. And I'm not sure this is going to be the prettiest game that the NHL sees this season. The Philadelphia Flyers at Minnesota. <laughs> the Canucks saw the Flyers recently, just after Christmas there. Uh, they were tough to break down and score against Minnesota uh, certainly can play that same way as well, although without Kaprizov and and a couple of defensemen, uh, Wild have fallen on hard times. But uh, I'd probably take the under here, but that's not uh, the bet. Uh, I'm going to take the Flyers on the money line. They're uh, the road underdog here, but I will take Philly at uh, 205. That's the bet way. Bet of the day must be 19 plus to play, and please play. Responsibly. Jeff and Arf here breaking down. Oh yeah. Another Vancouver Canuck victory. This one required some overtime. 4-3. They defeat the Pittsburgh Penguins. You're listening to Rinkwide Vancouver. a lot of ground there in the opening segment, Earth. Uh, I'm curious to hear what players and the coaching staff thought of this. Well, we enjoyed it. I would imagine they, they liked the end result ultimately, but a little bit of a, a twisted path to get there, giving up the late one, but uh, pulling it out in overtime four three is the final. The Canucks over the Penguins up to four and one now on this road trip. Rick Tuckett after the game was asked about the composure that his hockey club is showing here as they go about their business of winning hockey games. Yeah, pretty resilient group. You know, there's moments. Obviously, we got to clean up, but I thought, you know, you know, the bench. I, I got to admit, sometimes when the pressure's on us, um, you know, guys aren't getting rattled, and that's good. That's a good thing. You know, uh, um, you know, we want to we want to stick to our game as, as as much as possible. We don't want to back in. We do just want to flip pucks out. And I think we are really good against the others under pressure. I thought tonight, when obviously Crosby's. He was all-world again tonight. So, um, you know, when you get a a guy that caliber out there, um, it makes some guys get a little jumpy. Yeah, he said not getting rattled there. Uh, I would agree. I mean, you know, the Penguins are pushing. They're a good team. And they've got Sidney Crosby who's playing and (laughs) uh, talking all-world. And he's not wrong. You give the Penguins some credit, but I think you give the Canucks credit, too, for ultimately, you know, not sagging. That could have been disappointing that you give up the late one, but kind of eyes on the prize there and best player ends up being the best player and winning it in overtime so on to, to Buffalo as we've talked about here Elias Pedersen was asked after the game about you know how good the win felt considering how hard they were pushed by the Penguins
1: it means a lot uh I think uh, obviously we're happy with the first period
0: but second and third we kind of let them run over us and um yeah get back into the game but overall um happy with the win <laughs> they, they ran all over us in that second period. Uh, he's not wrong. They're not wrong. Not yeah, wrong. Exactly. I like the, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, an interesting view uh, from the ice, uh, Elias Pettersson, but uh, ultimately it's, did you outscore your opponents? And the answer at the end of the night is yes. We gushed about Thatcher Demko. Uh, I, I liked his performance against the Rangers the other night. Uh, gave up three, but it was the saves that he made when he made them. And, you know, it had that big game feel as well. And, and I thought he had a big game performance on a big stage at Madison Square. It was a little bit different, but he had never beaten the Pittsburgh Penguins in his career. And not only that, oh, and 3 so it wasn't like he was 0-10, but he had given up a bunch over the those three games. So I'm sure he knows that in the back of his mind. Uh, the Penguins and Sid and Malkin and the crew there, they've scored a lot of goals on a lot of goaltenders over the years. So uh, Thatcher drew Demko rose to the challenge. We talked about his work on the penalty kill, particularly Uh, he was good. The team in front of him was good. Demko talking post game about finding ways to win a a variety of ways to win hockey games here as the season goes along. Yeah, I think, you know, just all year finding different ways to win um, knowing that each game is going to be a little different than, than the last one. And, um, being comfortable in, in a ton of different positions is huge. So, um, you know, I think this group just keeps learning as we go, and, and I think that's really important. And, uh, you know, we're going to be in a lot of, of tight games here down the stretch, and uh, being able to handle those is going to be a huge. You know, we heard from J.T. Miller the other night, who had the same sort of phrase in one of his answers, talking about later in the season and down the stretch. And I get this sense that as much as they're trying to stay in the moment— they recognize now all of this work, these 28 victories is going to have them playing games later in the season that are going to have that heft and that significance and ultimately onto the playoffs. So I kind of like that. It's like, you know, stay in the moment, but also in the back of your mind, you're filing these ones away because you're going to have to draw on these experiences later on. Well, bigger picture,
1: right? And I think that that's the thing that you know, they, they know. I think that there is that belief in that room amongst those guys that are playing and obviously everyone else involved within that organization that they're a good hockey club and they can go and do these things and compete. I mean, look, in all reality, the, the wins are incredible. You look at what the Boston Bruins did last year. They had the season of un- it was unbelievable You're and right. they did nothing in the playoffs. So, I think they know that you get yourself to a position, but it's what are you going to do after you're in this position? I think that that's a focus. And with a guy like JT saying that, Thatcher Demko saying that now is they know exactly what their goal is. And it's not just winning regular season games.
0: And the flip side there is that, you know, for all the good they did under Rick Tockett last year, and these were building blocks for what they're doing now, but, you know, you go into Dallas last year and you win, great. Yeah. It means absolutely nothing. Right, like mm-hmm. I- enjoy it for the night, but it wasn't something to build on really because there wasn't going to be that wave of significant games still to come. But this year has been different on so many levels, and a good win for the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, Demko was asked at the end of his post game media availability if he's just sitting back uh, in his crease there watching and enjoying. Uh, what the lotto line is doing at the other end of the ice you know it's an honor to play with those guys and, and just see the, the the work that they put in um you know it's nice to see that other goalies struggle with them the, the same way that i do in practice sometimes so um yeah they've been playing great for us and it's been great to see well the guy's got saves and he's got jokes there too <laughs> happy to see that other goaltenders uh, experiencing what he experiences I, I mean look i've watched a lot of practices you've watched a lot of practices uh And Demko's a battler. I mean, he wants to stop every puck that comes his way in games and in practices. I don't know if the lotto line guys have embarrassed him in a practice, but they are certainly... Uh, showing up goaltenders at the other end of the ice right now.
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, they're fun to watch. That's where Demko gets a front row seat, obviously, and he doesn't like pulling the pucks out of the back of his net in practice. And I mean, look, they're not the only ones on that team watching. We're watching. Other media members are watching. The country's watching. The entire National Hockey League is watching. And, you know, this slot line is is has taken this league by storm a little bit and what they've been able to do the last little while. Well, let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver Three
0: Stars. Not a lot of suspense these days in the Three Stars with the way the lotto line guys are going. It's just a question of all three. Are they going to be the stars, or will we you know, sprinkle somebody else in? Uh, the three stars in the building as selected by the media there in Pittsburgh, Elias Petterson, Brock Besser nudges Sidney Crosby to the third star position, so I thought Sid might get a little home cooking there, but Besser was terrific too to to give the Canucks the early 2-0 lead. Uh, I am going to flip Besser and Crosby, and that's not really a knock on Brock. I mean, uh, he had a nice game. I just marvel, and we don't see Crosby play against the Canucks enough. Uh, Obviously, we've all watched Sidney Crosby over his career, and it's just so good for hockey that he's back (laughs) and doing what he's doing at this level at this stage, because like a decade ago, there were a lot of voices calling for him to just walk away from the game, that he had his cups and that, or he had a cup at least, had his gold medal, and that he had his health or that people wanted him to make sure that he had a long, healthy life out in front of him, but uh, did what he had to do. I know it wasn't easy for him, but, uh, you know, you look at his career numbers and you think that, I mean, this guy was forced to miss a lot of time with significant head injuries, and it's just so good for him and for hockey that uh, he's back, and you know, at 36, looks like he's at or near the top of his game. It's crazy. Sid, the kid, you know, kind of reborn. Has aged in front of our eyes to the point where he's now Sid, the middle-aged guy. Just doesn't <laughs> ring off, roll off the tongue so much, but uh, he was terrific. Uh, we went through the numbers from this hockey game, but uh, nobody better than the EP40. So he was the first star, two goals and two assists, four more points as he uh, rolls along here on this road trip and brings the teammates along with him. Petterson, Elias Petterson, because Marcus had a goal and an assist as well, but Elias ends up the better of the Pettersons, and on the winning side here... EP40, Sidney Crosby, Brock Besser. Those are your Rinkwide Vancouver three stars. For this one. Still to come, our stat that stands out. We've had a lot of them, but uh, we've come up with another good one here. Listener feedback as uh, the fever pitch is starting to build, and we'll get into uh, our feedback channels here at Rinkwide Van. Uh, we'll look ahead to what is still to come. Two games to go on the road trip, five down and two to go. The Canucks are four and one uh, through five stops heading for Buffalo on Saturday. Uh, we're headed for more of Rinkwide Vancouver in a moment. Carry on here on rink-wide Vancouver 4-3 Canucks over the Penguins. Second overtime win of the season, by the way. The first was against Bo Horvat here in Vancouver. Quinn Hughes with the dagger that night and EP40 in this one. And, you know, when I look at the star power the Canucks can throw out over the boards in overtime, I'm always surprised that their overtime record isn't a little bit better. Now, every team in the league has a star player many have a couple. And so there is top end talent out there and the other guys are trying to score too. But the Canucks have so many game breakers and thought it was interesting with the way that Pedersen has been going particularly that Rick Dockett didn't throw him out over the boards to start overtime. And I do think that probably was tactical to go with Miller and Besser, see what the Penguins are going to do, and then see if you can get Petey out there against you know the, the second best that Mike Sullivan had to offer. Of course, it went deep into overtime, so Pedersen didn't score on his first overtime shift, but they they went Miller and Besser, and then Pedersen and Kuzmenko, Mikheyev and Garland, and then they came back to Besser and Miller, and uh, Petey was out there with Kuzmenko. And I know we were on Kuzmenko Watch as the game unfolded yeah. here, because it's a 3-2 game midway through the third period, <laughs> and generally that is uh, time to shorten the bench, and in fact they did, but... When this game got to overtime,
1: uh, the leash was lengthened a little bit. Kuzmenko got a couple of OT shifts. For talking, it, it's okay. Let's let, let's give him a shot here. You know, it's three on three. Yep. If if you've shown that you've been responsible in your own end. All game, I'll give you a shot here. And, and I think that that's rewarding him for doing the little things that he wants him to do right. I mean, in a 3-2 game, I mean, I looked and I said to you, I was like, I don't think he's going to play another shift Damn. unless there was a power play with nine minutes to go. But he obviously did and and, and, and get some overtime and credit to him because he's obviously learning and, and listening to what his coaches are teaching him. Because otherwise, you know, a couple weeks ago, he's probably stapled to the middle of that bench. Well, there's Lotto Line and then there's everybody else. <laughs> now,
0: Connor Garland was buzzing again, had the shift early in the third period, banked the puck off the back of the net to himself and was wheeling and dealing and creating things. And then, uh, you know, gets under the skin of uh, Lars Eller in a tight game. I mean, that could have been costly. We talked about the Canucks had to wait a while to get a second power play. They did in the third period because Connor Garland up into the grill of Eller. Eller turns around, blatant cross check. And so Connor Garland out there trying to do things and causing chaos as he does, but I, I think it's fair to ask the question: as much fun as it is right now to watch the lotto line, are the other nine
1: forwards guilty of watching the lotto line as well? Sometimes, and I think it's it's tough not to. If if they're, I mean, that first period, just if it was any indication, it's like okay, well these guys are going to carry us. The lotto line is great, but you've got to have contributions from the other lines. I mean, you mentioned Connor Garland's name, but we haven't really heard too much from that line after all the success that they had recently. And then once Rick Tockett put the lotto line together, the amount of points they're getting, everyone's talking about them and to their credit, I mean, they are playing at a really, really ridiculous level. I don't know if it's sustainable, but like what's, where's Nils Hoaglander in all of this? Well, he I mean, had the nice
0: night at Madison square. Yeah. He's kind of the least of my concerns right now. It's, Pia Suter with Kuzmenko and particularly Ilya Mikheyev, who doesn't hurt you. And I want to be clear about that, but he's making five mil. He's got double digits in goals. Like It's not like he hasn't contributed, but can he, will he generate offense away from Elias Pettersson? And right now with Pia Suter and Kuzmenko on the other side there, and looking at the underlying numbers, not terrible in this hockey game, again, not hurting uh, out shooting their opponents, so they're winning their shot share. But will there come a night at some point where a lot of line just doesn't have it? I know it's hard to imagine, but in those instances, it just like a little bit of a spark. And on this road trip, Mikheyev has one assist. It came the other night on Horonic's goal against the Islanders. And Pia Suter has one assist, and it was a nice play to Hoaglander at Madison Square. But the, the two points that that line has generated didn't come as a line. They came on goals that, you know, sort of broken line combinations and deployment. So and this team is winning. Uh, I'm not here trying to you know actively find issues, but I do wonder if at times the rest of that team sort of falls into a trap of Lotto's got us. Like, you know, it, it's not that important that we score right now, but there are going to come some games where it will be and maybe Buffalo on Saturday will be, <laughs> be that night. I want to get to the stat that stands out ahead of some listener feedback and lots of good feedback to our social channels at Rink-wide Van. And credit to Earth, he came up with this stat that stands out. So not just a pretty face. He's coming up, digging deep with the uh, <laughs> the stats that stand out. In games in which Brock Besser and Elias Pedersen have both scored for the Vancouver Canucks, this is going back through their careers. The Canucks are now 31-1-1. One and one. I'd love to know the one outright loss. Yeah, me too. It's just been absolute money. And it stands to reason that if your best players are scoring, they're going and... You know, giving your team a, a boost there, but that is another ridiculous number that certainly stands out at thirty-one, one and one in games when both Besser and Pedersen score, and they both scored twice in this one tonight.
1: Yeah, just a just a wild stat. I mean, look, like I said, there, there's. There's a lot of stats and a lot of numbers when you look at this team and they're they're doing things at a crazy level. There's probably some that we're not even we're, that are out there we haven't even gotten into yet. They're breaking all sorts of franchise records every night, seemingly. There's seems like there's something going on. But that one's that one kind of stands out a little bit and it's it's those two guys, right? It's a guy that, you know, we've mentioned so many times that has struggled a lot with maybe scoring in the last a little bit, like the last season and Brock Besser. This year he's obviously coming in and, and scoring at a ridiculous rate. And Elias Pettersson. I mean, what can what more can we say about him besides 12 million, 12 million, 12 million? You know what I mean? But I, I think that, yeah, it, it's just one of those things where when those two when those two are going and they're putting the puck in the net, they're not losing those games. And Besser up to 27 on the season now, so
0: closing in on 30. And you'd think the way he's going here by the end of the month on the homestand at some point, although the way this line's going, maybe by the end of the road trip. I, honestly, who knows? I mean, he had too early... And you kind of thought that uh, there would be a hat-trick somewhere along the line, uh, even if it was into an empty net. Uh, wasn't to be. Uh, requiring some OT tonight, but the Canucks win it. And Besser, by the way, something about the black and gold on the other side of the Penguins. Nine goals in 10 career games against the Pittsburgh Penguins, including his first NHL hat-trick going back a handful of years. All right, I uh, want to get into listener feedback here because we've got lots of it, and we're starting to see it too. And you, you can feel it, uh, whether it's on the streets around town, in our inbox, like the buzz is building here. People are buying in. The hardcores have been there. I think some of the casuals that have been scarred by the last decade, you know, they're starting to come back to this team now that it's into the second half of the season. Corey says, when I say I haven't got that hyped in a long time, I mean it, EP40, what a stud. Scott says, that felt like the playoffs and our Canucks stood up. Huge win, loved the battle, loved EP40's goal last game, loving this one more At the moment. So, uh, yeah, a lot of love for EP40 to our social channels. The pressure went up and we didn't crumble away, says Will. And I think that, you know, Rick Tocke always talks about meeting pressure with pressure. Look, the the runaway wins have been fun, right? 10-1 over San Jose. Yeah, it's a laugher. You don't see it very often. 8-1 against the Oilers on opening (laughs) night was was a ball. I mean, everybody had fun there. Well, not the Oilers. But there's something about, you know, being battle-tested. And this did look and feel more like the kind of game you're going to see uh, in April and, and May. They're going to see Colorado, and they're going to see Vegas and Boston and the other good teams that are out there still, Winnipeg, the way that they're going. So I look forward to more of these. But I, I think from the coaching staff's perspective, they'll take the two points that you get out of a 10-1 win over San Jose. But I think there's more value, obviously, in having to grind and getting pushed and, and being you know, up against the wall at times in that third period. And they spent a lot of the third period in their own zone and even parts of the second period. But
1: ultimately, they prevailed. They did what they had to do to win. Yeah, I think last season, how many times did they blow two goal leads? A lot, Yes. right? And I think when you looked at this team before this season started, you said, okay, they're probably not going to have a problem scoring goals. It's can they defend? And can they defend in important game situations? And I think that, of everything that I look at from this team this season through obviously now 42 games, that's probably the most surprising part to me. That's what stands out. It's not the goals. It's not, you know, the insane numbers that they're putting up. It's the fact that they're not losing games when they're up, you know, and, and they're and they're not breaking when when they're down a goal. You know, they they like you mentioned before, you know, when they get down one nothing, they don't really get down 2 nothing. And then when you have a league going to third, you don't lose games. That's this Vancouver Canucks team. So I don't know. I mean, I don't think we've had the conversation of what surprised us, each other the most about the halfway point. But that, to me, I think stands out. Travis says, most
0: exciting game of the season. And I would say, yeah, right <laughs> up there. I mean, yeah, I, I yeah. thought the
1: Ranger won the other night
0: was awfully good too. But this one a little tighter, a little more suspenseful, obviously, and a little longer with OT. Uh, felt like a playoff game. Might have taken a few years off my heart, but it's good to be yelling at my TV for good reasons. And and you're not alone there, Travis. Uh, again, we're feeling that sort of sense anecdotally, I've got buddies that are season ticket holders that have questioned whether they should buck up and and renew year after year. And, and now they're glad that they did because uh, the payoff is still to come here. But it's nights like this one. You know, if this was a game at Rogers Arena... Like, people would be leaving the building buzzing. So, yeah. Uh, Last word tonight from the listener segment, at least, is Robbie says, hands down, the PK. PK was solid from everyone, including Demko. Great win. And that kind of echoes what we talked about a little bit earlier on the show. That, uh, you know, that's not always uh, the glory work on the penalty kill. It's just hard work and effort and paying a price and the battles and everything else. And uh, the Canucks certainly did all of that and four big penalty kills on the night. And, you know, power plays have been hard to come by. They were again here. Power play goals have been in short supply. Just their second power play goal since Christmas. So, you know, when the power, like, look out. When the power play gets going with this group five on five right now, they are absolutely steamrolling their competition. And they did again because, you know, the Penguins score three times. Uh, But one of them is a six-on-five goal. So at five-on-five, the Vancouver Canucks have been absolutely dominant. It has been one of the best parts of this road trip. So out of Pittsburgh and into Buffalo, the Sabres were 5-3 winners over the Ottawa Senators while the Canucks were winning in OT. So both of these teams coming off victories on Thursday. It's an afternoon game. Those haven't always produced the best in the Vancouver Canucks with the uh, early start even on the... uh, East Coast, it kind of throws them for a bit of a loop. Uh, And and then, of course, on Monday, if you haven't heard or checked the schedule, it's Martin Luther King Day in the States. That's a 10 o'clock Pacific time, 1 p.m. Eastern start in Columbus to wrap up the road trip. So a couple of matinee games here at the back end of a trip that has been incredible for the Canucks. It started with a sluggish one in St. Louis. They lost 2-1, to but boy, the way that they have responded here with four straight victories against four pretty good opponents. And so now Buffalo... You know, and, the, and the task, I think, for Rick Tockett is, again, to get his guys to to focus, to reset, enjoy this win, but know that Buffalo can be a difficult team to play against. They can score lots of goals. And so I think Rick Tockett, at the end of a long trip, if guys' minds are starting to wander a little bit, getting home and seeing family and friends and those types of things, it is a business trip. After all, two more games to go, and what an opportunity here just to continue the run on Saturday against the Sabres.
1: What did we talk about before? I think how many wins they would have in January. S- oh, in January, yeah. yeah. Well, I said four, two, and one on
0: this seven-game trip. To me, raised the bar a little bit. Better than five hundred. Yeah. Well, they've guaranteed they've
1: guaranteed that at least. Yeah, they've got the four wins. And- I think it was there's thirteen games in July, and I said seven. So, or sorry, in January, in January. July. <laughs> um, Yeah, thirteen <laughs> games in January, and I said, and I think we put the number at seven. But yeah, I mean, wild. I, and look, I, I think that. You can get into a mindset here where you've, it's your four straight win. It was an emotional game. Afternoon against Buffalo. Like, you got to get up for that. I, I know it's your the tail end. You might be one foot out of the door into Columbus, but I think the messaging from the coaching staff, and I think this team is matured enough to know, go take care of your business. The, the breaks eventually will come.
0: Be interesting to see about uh, lineup decisions yeah. as they get deeper into the road trip here. I would imagine that there'll be a split of goaltending Give Thatcher Demko the Saturday start and then let him put his feet up in Columbus perhaps on on Monday and get Casey DeSmith back in there. And also, I mean, we saw Ian Cole come out of the lineup and then goes back in and Noah Juleson sat. Will there be some load management uh, in either of these final two games of the road trip or do they stay with their big six on defense? And, you know, we touched on the fact that earlier in the game, Riley Smith, and I haven't seen an update, but I hope he's okay. But on a night when we were just getting updates, injuries and injuries to key players, again, the Canucks, and I'll knock on wood for them. But that has been such a big part of their story as well, as their top guys have been there night in, night out. And when their big guys are there and playing the way they are right now, the Vancouver Canucks are damn difficult to beat as they were in Pittsburgh on Thursday. 4-3, the final score in overtime. Pedersen with a pair. He's up to 22 on the season. And Brock Besser got the ball rolling with his two goals, 26 and 27 on the season. J.T. Miller with three helpers on the first three goals of the night. So, lotto line, another nine points in their back pocket as they head for Buffalo. And stop number six on this seven-game road trip, and that's when we'll be back after the game on Saturday. We'll continue to break all of this down. I look forward to more of your feedback as well as we carry on with the rink wide into the second half of this Vancouver Canucks season. 28-11-3 are the Canucks with 59 points now through 42 games. For Earth, this is Jeff. As always, we thank you so much for listening to another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver brought to you by Betway.